Rig life, got a call for a drunk in somebody's trunk. Rig life, rig life, rig life, rig life, got a call to the mall. Dead guy in the stall. Rig life, rig life, rig life, a rig life, got a call for a break and it turned out to be fake. Rig life, rig life, a rig life, a rig life, got to drive really fast and it was, it was a blast. Rig life, rig life. Rig life showed up to the scene and they asked us to stop singing this damn song. Rig life, rig life. Hey, Erica. Hey, Karen. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Excellent. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's been a good day. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Would you be my neighbor? Could you be mine? Make it all sexy. See, yeah, yeah, we could. It's a red light district one. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Four or five dollars, you know I would. I said, yeah, baby. I said, yeah, baby. It sounds like a rap now. Oh, it's still good, I think. It was good, yeah. Okay, well, sorry, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, sorry, we... uh wasn't there an SNL skit where it was called Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood and Eddie Murphy did it? I don't remember. It was really good. We'll have to look it up. We'll have to look it up. Okay, well, let's start <clears throat> today's show. Let's try not to like go off topic too much. Because yeah. I think Erica came up with the best. Well, you come up with amazing ideas all the time. I mean, I try. But this show is yours. And I'm just going to... I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it with you. Well, I figured actually today we would read some other paramedic stories from around the world. Uh, there's some really funny stories I uh, came up, <clears throat> I actually found on this website. So um, these are from paramedics all around the world. Um, I think we should go back and forth and read some of these funny stories. I think it's fantastic. And then we can see if we can relate to them in any way. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, think. not myself as a paramedic, obviously, but maybe... A patient that's come in yeah because just this one um i'm this guy anthony his name's anthony ricci um and he said it's it's actually really funny so we were called to loma linda university medical center <clears throat> to pick up a 5150 psych patient i'll call bob we were to take him to a behavioral health unit it was the sort of call none of us like because it didn't require a paramedic unit but at the time that's all our company sent my partner drove us to the emergency department parking lot to park. As we approached the parking spot in mind, we noticed a commotion going on just outside the emergency department entrance. A circle of approximately a dozen medical and security staff formed around a guy. The guy was in a karate-style fighting stance, threatening anyone who approached him. The staff looked flustered and were trying to figure out what to do. It was like a scene out of those old Chinese martial arts movies, the hero surrounded by enemies. We nosed in about a dozen yards away, and looked at the paperwork again. I had an idea. I stepped outside the ambulance and called out, Bob! Hey, Bob, is that you? The fight-ready guy in the center of the circle jerked his head around, looking at me, his eyes dark with excitement. Who's asking? Who are you? I answered, Bob, we're your getaway van. Get in. We gotta get out of here. And I went to open the side door. After pausing for just a second, Bob ran to the side of my ambulance and jumped inside. I told him to buckle in quickly so that we could get away. Outside, a group of nurses, techs, and security guards were completely confused. I located the nurse who, is, who, had her, who had his chart and signed for the patient taking his paperwork. Getting inside the ambulance, I introduced myself to Bob at his safe house li as a safe house liaison. <laughs> he, 
He was seriously deep undercover, born style, oh. and began telling me about his adventures as we drove away to the behavioral health center about 10 minutes away. Seeing how agitated Bob was, I told him to o- the overhead vents, fire sprinklers, were releasing a slow-acting sleeping gas, and that we would all start to become sleepy very quickly. You need to fight the gas, Bob. Don't go to sleep on me. We need you to stay alert. <laughs> Bob yawned in acknowledgement of his warning and managed to stay awake until we got him to his room and the transfer to the safe house was completed. That's amazing. <clears throat> that is a great story. And, you know, that's full on humanity. It really is. I I got to say that. I mean, there's been times where, you know, you have to transporting a psych patient, you know, their their reality is completely different from, you know, yes. this reality. And I think when somebody can get onto their level, because it, it doesn't happen often where they'll, you know, a psych patient will actually identify with you. But when it does... You know, and and you're talking on the level that they're on. I think it's it's absolutely incredible, and I think this good for this guy. Yeah, I mean, we we have to um, got to be careful, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes people are in a state of delusion, psychosis. Yeah, and their world is very real to them. Yeah. So, do we um, try to help, like say? No, this is not happening to you. You're you're in a safe place, that kind of thing. Yeah, I. But in this case with the transport, they really needed to transport him. So absolutely and I, safely. So going along with it is um, it's kind of your only option. I'm okay with what he did. In fact, I think it was a really cool way. And he didn't. He wasn't doing. It, he didn't do it in any way that I don't think it um, amplified it or scared no, him. No, I don't think it did. And either. it calmed him down rather than agitate him. Absolutely. Like I, I think it was a calculated risk, and I think it was a really kind of a, a cool and kind thing to do. Oh, I absolutely couldn't agree more. Like there's, you know, there's so many people, you know, think when it's a situation like that, like you know, tackle them down, sedate them. That's you know, if you're already thinking you're paranoid and something really bad is happening to you, that. I mean, that's got to be pure terror. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. Like, just say I got really pissed off at something. Yeah. And someone was like, for whatever reason, the other person was being like really brutal about something or someone. And I just started to like go off. Right. Um, And then somehow it turned around like, oh, I'm the crazy one. Right. Yeah. And then before you know it, I'm like, you know, cuffed and being sent in. I, I think that, that would scare the shit out of me and I would lose my mind. I would probably be like. Okay, I didn't more it. so yeah. than doing but, this, I and think. that's like thinking straight. Yeah, well, absolutely, kind of. You know what I mean? Um, I, I've had patients where we're called them like I guess they're like a observation rooms, like a where they're they're locked in. Yeah. Um. There's usually a security guard or a person sitting watch. Like the cameras are on them. You see them. You're in there checking on them constantly, and there's security there. The whole time. Yeah. At least those are the experiences I've had in the hospitals that I've worked in. And I've seen a situation where a a patient that was schizophrenic and full out psychosis flip his stretcher and take the, the mattress and put it like make a fort. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so you can't see them because they're, you know, they've got this fort and they've got blankets. They got the whole thing. So what do you do? Like, I mean, I, I, we can't let him stay like that. We no. don't know what's going on behind there. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if he's going to open the door and he's going to like lunge, fly, at, you, lunge yeah. at you. So, and in this case he did, he was like throwing stuff. He had a urinal, everything was flying around the place. And it was a situation like that where we had to sedate him. Right. And like, you don't want to give 
physical or or, or chemical restraints. No. We did have to restrain him initially. Yep. As soon as he calmed down, the restraints came off. Of course. As soon as his medication starts working, that kind of thing. And you know what? Sitting in an emerge in a in a situation like that is like completely it's the Sitting in a merge period, yeah, is hard enough. And then a tiny then little it, rock down, lockdown room, right? Yeah. I mean, could you be in a worse situation? No. So, um, you know, getting them up into a, an area that's that's made to help them heal. But uh, yeah, my heart goes out. Like I kind of want to go in there and you know say like find a, a creative way to to help calm them down. But unfortunately, sometimes you have to. Um, take extreme measures, um, of course, you know, under the legal to do so, but it's still extreme. Oh, of course. So yeah. for this guy to do that, like kudos, man, good on you. Great I, thinking. You're amazing. Awesome. He was amazing. There's uh, this other one. Um, it's actually a really cool story. You might actually have some say in this one. Okay. Uh, it's by Chris Bardis. Okay. Shoot. Uh, it's okay. So this is Chris Bardis. He's actually a flight paramedic. Um, cool. I would have yeah. loved to have done that. Oh, yeah, me too. Sometimes I just see the, you know, the helicopters land like orange. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God, what I wouldn't give. And then I saw the inside and was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so tight that, I, you know, I, I have to give credit. You know, there's one hospital that I worked at um, where the ER and the venting system, because the hospital is quite old, right. at least that section. Yeah. The venting system went all the way up. Right. For whatever was on the roof and all the floors down. So when the helicopters would land, we would smell the the fuel. Right. Uh, it's so there was like, so now when I, I smell that fuel, I almost get like excited. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, because then we'd Something's have. Something's coming. Yeah. So you'd be in the trauma room. You've got all the lead on. Like you've got your uh, ap- your lead aprons on because you've got x-rays flying all over the place. Of course. You got your protective gear on and you're like, you've got everything set up and you're just like kind of bouncing on the balls of yeah. your feet going, okay, it's coming, it's coming. And then you smell that fuel and then they come crashing in like, you know, minutes later. And it's like, then it's like insanity. Oh, it's great. And as much as that, like, I don't know, I, I fucking miss that. Yeah, I miss it too. I know. And it sounds like it's at the expense of someone having an injury, but someone's got to help them. Exactly. So why can't it be us? You know what I'm saying? But so anyway, I, that's kind of an aside from like what you were saying. Here. Oh, this one's actually, this story is, is hilarious. Okay. So he says an elderly woman, I'm guessing 80, but I don't remember. She walks in, she walks to the bathroom and she's stooping over working with a cane. She comes back and sits in the cot and asks if I can help her out. Now I'm a young, strong type at the time. And then, and the nurse is out with a critical patient. So I think no problem. I ask if it's going to be okay if I grab her under her armpits and say I'm going to pull her up on the bed. And she says, okay. So I reach under her armpits as she's sitting to lift her to pull her up on the bed. I pull and lift and literally every spinal joint she has loudly pops. Sounds like a machine gun has gone off in her spine. And she screams. I'm in a panic thinking, oh my God, I just broke her back. I want to get my voice under control so I can ask her if she's okay. She stops, looks at me, moves her arms around like she's got more motion than she had in years, then sits straighter than she has since she came into the emergency department and says, I am. In fact, I feel a lot better now. That would be when I perform my first ever and hopefully last untrained, unintended chiropractic adjustment. (laughs) You know, just how scary would that? Scary, but how relieved must that woman have been? Oh, my God. It must have been like. For all those knuckle crackers out there, I'm a knuckle cracker. I'm a knuckle cracker. And it's like, well. oh. uh, my, I have a, a friend and he cracks his neck. He'll just literally go crack, crack. And then he's good. And then he's good. I don't know how he does it. And sometimes it's like, 
Like yeah. A, like the triple pop. Yeah, and yeah. It's, oh, God, I don't know how he does it. There's um a guy my son told me about. He, he texted me one day and he's like, um, my mom obsessed with this chiropractor, watching ch- chiropractor uh, right. adjustments on online on the uh, on, on YouTube. And this guy, I mean, there's times where he uses like little like what do you call those hammers with they're not hammers they've got like rubber oh mallet mallet yeah this guy will like use a mallet and like he's just like almost barbaric the way he does it and they're like it's like extreme is it chiropractory i think i've seen this guy no that's for your feet i think i've seen this guy he's a big big guy yeah and he uses these like the like the in their plastic yeah. And he hits it with a mallet. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, God. But the afterwards, and he, he he works on people that are like extreme athletes and, and stuff like that, and they, they swear by it. So there is some satisfaction in listening to that, like, crack, 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 pop, pop, pop. But uh, that's scary because some of the elderly make noises in their joints that make you feel like, oh, my God, I just ruined them. Yeah. Yeah. And like everything. Or I remember this one elderly woman we moved once and why she sticks out is because her reaction was the best is that we we moved them and she could see the look on her face and she starts laughing out loud and she's like, oh, yeah, that's me. Don't worry. I'm and good. I Don't. guess we all like made that face like, ooh. but uh, anyway. Okay. So uh, what's uh, what's the next? Okay. Move so on to? this one's uh, this one's pretty funny. This is uh, John Morrissey. Okay. And um, he works for Associates Emergency Medical Services in general education. So uh, so we get a call to a location for an unspecified problem, which is always the scariest call. Unspecified is, is that the right? worst. Yeah. So uh, doors So open. you guys can like literally be walking into anything. Well, I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We don't get that. They we try know. and get as much information. We'll get people fly through the doors, but we're in a controlled environment. Yeah, which is... Yeah. And we you we get them when you already know what's going on. Yeah. We get so them like pre-packaged. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> these are definitely not pre-packaged. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, um, so we get a call to a location for an unspecified problem. Doors open and we walk in. No one in the front room. Hello, ambulance. You called? I'm in the bedroom. So we walk in and there's a shirtless guy in the bed with a blanket over him. What seems to be the issue? Promise you won't laugh? The words we live for. Why no? No, we won't laugh. Okay, here. He pulls back the blankets and what he's done is severed the power cord and control toggle from an old electronic football game, the type of the vibrating game top and little player figures, and stripped the insulation away from the severed end. Then he had inserted it into his penis no! and was turning it on and off to stimulate himself. What? And now it was stuck. It. T- <laughs> Why? Listen, I, I, I wish Why? I could tell you. So obviously uh, we can't pull it out. A doc has got to do that. We covered it with sterile dressing after unplugging it from the wall and transported. My partner leaped from behind the wheel, which made me attending and calling this on the radio. I gave vitals and advice that... They'd have to wait, see what we were bringing them when we arrived. Naturally, the ER staff knew something. What did he say here? Splendor Forest? Uh, Splendiferous. Splendiferous was about to happen. 
We were greeted at the door by every doc, nurse, tech, NA, and orderly in the ER. Oh, yeah. We'd be smiling like Cheshire cats. Oh, fuck. What's coming in? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Because if you're not freaking out, you know it's going to be You know it's going to be something uh, good. Yeah. Uh, Put him in two. We moved him onto the ER bed and stood back. The doc pulled the blanket away, and they all exploded in uncontrollable laughter. And it didn't end there. Security janitors, other patients, (laughs) other crews dropping off. They all came running to see, and they all exploded into laughter. It went on for a good 35 minutes with red-faced... Unable to breathe, healthcare professionals being very unprofessional. Gotta love it. And oh. that, I feel bad for the guy because as funny as it is, I but mean. a lot of, like, there's people that do stupid ass shit. That's yeah. Like, they go, yeah, I know, I know. And usually those are the ones that you can, like, have the entire hospital come in and check them out. Right, right, yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I think, though, why would you stick anything electronic anywhere into an orifice? I, I have no clue. Into okay, especially an orifice like that. Yeah, like don't mess with your pee pee. No, no, <laughs> don't mess with anybody's pee pee. Number one um, rule of life. Yeah, don't mess with anybody's pee pee. Don't put things up your pee hole that aren't in a clean, sterile environment. Yeah, like it's that's yeah. Well, that, that's definitely uh, an interesting one there. What else we got? Uh, we got one here. This is by James. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. This just made me think of something. What? Um, I had a patient come in from like one of the, a home situation. I want to know if you've ever experienced this. Okay. So this man was morbidly obese. Like, okay. This is a really sad story. We're uh- talking... I think he was around 600 pounds and he had been sitting in his, uh, like a couch, but sitting in it, like he couldn't lie down and he'd been sitting in that for, uh, upwards to a year and wasn't getting up. Wasn't, he was basically, um, like defecating and urinating right in that seat area. People were just showing up to bring him food. Or he was ordering it. Right, right. So really no one was caring for him. They were just bringing him stuff. Now, this guy was not a nice guy. Was it because he had a mental health issue? Was it because he was miserable and in pain? I have no idea. But he behaved like a complete jerk when he was in the hospital. Like, I try to have so much, so much empathy for people. Of course. Because no one wakes up one day and says, I want to put myself into such a situation that I'm going to die and I can't care for myself properly. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a reason for it. Right. But anyway, when they lifted, so they had to get fire and stuff like that in to help. When they lifted him off the floor, his belly was stuck into the wood of the floor. So oh when they God. lifted him up, it ripped all the bottom part of his of his belly that was had been attached to the floor. It they said it sounded like almost like velcro or like a sheet ripping ripping, and yeah, they ripped. And so he now has the wh- whole underside of his belly gone, like just <clears throat> hamburger torn. Meat. Yeah. yeah. So already because of his condition, he was already full of like yeast and fungal and you name it because he's been sitting there wicked skin breakdown an ulcer or two and now 
his whole underbelly is torn right off. I can't even imagine that pain. So have you ever experienced anyone like being really large and you've had a like difficulty? And, you know, I just, it, this is stuff that's hard to talk about because you want to say like, what the fuck have you done to yourself? Right. But then again, like, it's like any addiction. It's a food addiction, right? Yeah. Oh, that's, absolutely. But in the hospital, he was just like, um, fucking move me, do this, do that. And he was like, he would just like, get me this, get me that, do this, do that. And just like scream and be abusive. And so it's really That's not hard okay. to be kind and compassionate. And I'll tell you, there, any one of us there may not have like understood the situation, but showed absolute kindness towards this man. Of course. And I think it's, that's why I think it's very important to- Like he knew what he was saying and doing. This was not oh, somebody course. that was, you know, again, psychotic and thinking he was seeing things or she was see- seeing things. This guy knew what he was saying. And I think what I was going to say is I think that, you know, it's important after a call like that to vent to your coworkers because everything you want to say in the, in the moment you, you, you can't, it's not professional. It's like it's, we had to take turns seeing him. So even though he was assigned to one like area to one nurse, yeah. we, we, we went in, um, you know, one at a time, not one at a time, we went in in pairs, but we shared it. It was sort of like he called of course going because otherwise like you can't kick him out no what do you can't escort him out no you know he's special needs and it's like what do we do yeah and that's the thing i think that's where you know a lot of compassion i think in in any uh, you know industry you have to have i think a specific kind of uh personality and i think you know in healthcare, i think you need to have that the humor you have to have the number one. I think you definitely have to have compassion, a hundred and ten percent. That's number one, and then I think what would follow that would be your. You have to have humor. You humor, compassion, and the ability to empathy, empathy. Yeah, and the ability to sort of put up like some kind of barrier that helps deflect this stuff. Yeah, but as soon as it gets abusive, like really abusive, then that's when and they're scaring patients and all that kind of stuff. It's when you have to really like set the boundaries. But I think we have a generally a very, um, uh, a large, uh, amount that we can take. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I, there was another gentleman that, uh, that had come in before and he was, uh, also a very large man and he had cellulitis in his testicles. Now oh I'm not, God. now I swear to you, I'm not lying. You can look me in the eye and you know when I'm like goofing or not. This guy had small watermelon sized on both sides. I've never seen anything so big in my life. And they were red and weeping. Angry. Smelled so bad. But his wife was there. And he would make her hold his balls up for her. For him. Not a fucking chance. He'd like, get over here. Fucking lift up this one. Fucking lift up that one. Excuse my language, guys. And she'd be like in tears, holding his balls up, back, like bent over with her back killing her. And he would just scream at her to hold his balls up for him. No. And we'd come in and be like, no, no, no. You're not going to talk to her like this. We can help you. We can get towels. We can get ice packs or, you know, or something that, you know, would be safe for him to use. Right. Like we can, uh, we're giving you antibiotics. We're doing all these yeah. different things. And he was just abusive and rude. And he was bossing her around, screaming at her. And you can see that she was like, so such a beaten up woman. And we just finally said, look, do you want to go home? Like, do you want to go home and go to bed and sleep and relax? That's and, heartbreaking. Cause... And she just broke down with us and just said, I don't know how much more of this I can take. 
Um, so she went and good for her. And right? she, yeah. And she, and he was just like, where, where do you think you're going? And blah, blah, blah. And it was just, uh, and he would take like any gown, like he couldn't really fit into a gown. So we gave him sheets or we'd put two gowns. Like we do everything we can. To. Right. He would strip off and just sit there naked in the chair, That's... like intentionally to get attention or to like, do just to, to piss people off. And it's like, how do you deal with these behaviors? Because they're juvenile. I mean, they're, be, they're toddler. Yeah. I, and so sometimes you just, honestly, you have to shut it off. You just have to shut yourself off and, and kind of be a little bit of a robot when it comes to stuff like that. Only because it's, you're either going to flip your shit, which is a definite possibility. Yeah. And don't want, and it's a possibility, but not a, an option. No. And, and it's not an option unless you want to lose your job. That's cool too. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it, it gets to a point where sometimes I think for a lot of people, it's just too much. It's, it, you know, I think, um, like I know some people where, you know, they were paramedics for years and years and, uh, they just, it got to a point for them where they were just like, I've lost the. I've lost the compassion. Yeah. I've, I, I, I no longer think I can't laugh at this stuff anymore. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I want to tell them exactly where to go and yeah. how to do it. And, you know, and you can't, you get to a point where you're just like, you know what, I, I got to stop. And I think how much can people take really? Well, right? exactly. And I, you know, you can only talk about things so much with people and it gets to a point where, I mean, I think a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, talking about PTSD and anxiety and depression and stuff like that. I think a lot of healthcare workers fully understand this kind of thing. And I, and I wish they almost would, I, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I'm going to speak for myself where I think they need to understand it more because, you know, they experience this every day. You have people coming in there, they're dealing with, you know, mental health in the ER. I'm sure you, yep. mental health was a huge thing. And, yep. uh, you know, they're still, still to this day, you know that these, some of these people in there, nurses, doctors, you know, uh, RPNs, PSWs, they, they, they're dealing with it as well, but it's almost still mm -hmm. such a stigma. And I think it, well, it's, I mean, okay. So every once in a while, one of us becomes the patient. Yeah. Has the breakdown. Yeah. Um, and I got to say for one and experience everyone, the compassion that is shown towards that coworker who right. finally just can't take it anymore. Yeah. And it could be that maybe they had too much to drink that night and it was just like, you know, kind of lost a little bit. A rough night. I've, I've dealt with somebody who attempted suicide. I'm sorry. A, a coworker that I really, really just loved and but no i mean because I, I don't work with them anymore no no but, but they they went now through, you work with me yeah <laughs> they went through it and you know what they were they were put in an area so like you know didn't have to deal like we, we will like put you in an area where you can just not have to worry just about because you don't want to see anyone no, no of course. like okay well i'm that one that broke down i'm the one that this and that i don't want anybody to know my problems and so you get that you get like you don't want best, people to talk about you. Yeah. And yeah. but you get the best of what we have to give. And and then beyond that, this one particular person is such a badass. They're better than I've ever seen. The most compassionate, caring, uh um uh like advocate for mental health yeah. in, in uh in general, but mostly for the 911 community. 
Like she's absolutely an amazing human being. And I saw her at her absolute worst. Probably not even. Yeah. And then a year later, back working strong and like a fuck you. You didn't, you know what? You got something to say, say it. But not like, not a chip on her shoulder. It's just like, no, whatever. Yep. And it's just like, I'm like, you are an incredible human being to go through that. So, I mean, there's no shame in it. There is no shame in it. And I wish and more guarantee people, you your coworkers are going to yeah. love you. Yep. They're going to support you and they're going to do exactly that. Let's get you in a room away from everybody else. Yep. Let's get you a doctor in here as fast as we can. And we're going to fast track you and do our best for you. And you're going to get loved all night. Do you ever You find want the best sandwich in the fridge? You got it. You got it. You want the coldest fucking apple juice? You've got it. Yep. The warmest blankets and the fluffiest pillows? You got it all. Yep. <laughs> Don't you find too, like sometimes now when I go, like if I've had to go to the hospital- Um, you know, I never say to them right away, like, you know, I I was a paramedic or anything. Yeah, neither. I want to see what the treatment's like, you know? And I also don't want to be that person where they, they feel like they're guarded. Um, right. Right. In, in whatever, like, uh, or that I'm going to act like I know it all. Well, I don't want to say that. I want to say to them, you can plain speak to me. You don't have to like plain speak to me. Like, like, just, just tell me. Well, sometimes I think, though, like, it comes up. So um, the last time I was there, you know, uh, they said something. And I said, oh, are you sure? Because it's blah, 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 blah. This was a nurse telling me. Yeah. And she's like, how do you know about that? And I said, oh, I, I, I was a paramedic. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh. Well, it's almost a relief because then now you can just, like, straight talk. like, Or you can just talk, like, normally. I generally don't say anything. And oftentimes it's because I have an understanding of what they're saying. They say Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I get it. But then there's like that click into like, um, oh, okay. We're fam. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've dealt, I've cared with, uh, elderly nurses and they'll be like, those are the best. I just want to give them like everything they want. And they're usually got that, you know, that, that do a voice, Karen, a voice. Well, I mean, I had my aunt Vera and she was like, oh, for God damn it. For Christ's sakes, you know? Give me the damn needle. I'll give myself my own IV. You know, you know, or you say, okay, I'll get you up the, to the commode. You know what? Not as long as I got two fucking legs, I can make it to the bathroom myself. God damn it. And I'll call you if I need you. And, and meanwhile, you know, here's the thing. It's not like I haven't pissed all over myself before. And do you think I care at this age? No. No. (laughs) It's nurses, healthcare workers make the worst patients. And that's the actual quote that I've heard so many times is nurses make the worst patients. That's what I've heard too. But I get that from Mary. Remember there was uh, a couple of years ago, I was uh, having like really bad belly pain and you just had to poop. No. Well, I had this belly pain and I, over a two and a half month period, I, wa- I lost almost 40 pounds and I just couldn't eat. I felt so sick. Mary kept on going, go to the hospital. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Cause I'm I've had, fine. Well, I've had problems with my stomach in the past, Yeah, but this was getting really bad. Like it was bad 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 right and then you know she kept saying go to the hospital yeah, karen exactly let's go to the hospital so finally i called her at work which is like i never unheard of i i just don't do it i'm no. not going to interrupt her but i called her at work and i said i think i need you to come home right now and she's like and because she worries so much i just see her flying to me and like get into a damn accident just trying to to get to me Anyway, long story short, I had a bowel obstruction. Oh, God. Yeah. And so that's why. 
I mean, let's just leave it for a little while and uh, let it get worse. I mean, well, but I didn't know because I've had. Were you throwing up? Uh, well, when I went in, okay, this is kind of a funny story. We're talking about waiting room stuff yeah. and how people are in. Okay. So by then I was so sick and I couldn't move. Like I was literally bent over, um, probably dehydrated. Probably. I was like, so sick, Erica. I, I was circling the drain. Like I was getting, yeah. I w- it was bad. Yeah. And, uh, so the ambulance shows up and I'm like, it's, I can't stop throwing up. I just, it, nothing is helping. Me. No. And, uh, and I can't stop going to the bathroom. It's just like, but I'm not really going. It just feels like it, right? Like you have to go. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like retching in the abdominal pain is so bad. Like I can't, I just, it's unbelievable. So they get me to the hospital and like I, in my head, I'm like, I bet you I have a bell obstruction. Yeah. Just, it, and then when I felt around my belly, I was just like, oh, I feel so bad. And so they're like, we, there's not a room. Oh, this one particular hospital is one of like i no one ever go there i I don't want to say the name of it but it's uh starts with e ends with e and it's by where i live got it (laughs) i just i just had to mouth it to karen and uh and so i went in and uh on the ambulance and they're like well there's no room for you and if i had a patient come in with the acute pain of vomiting by now it's like green and i'm almost positive your vitals were not good oh they weren't right and so <laughs> the they're like you, there's no bed for you i'm like I, i'm dying here like i really am yeah and i can't something wrong. yeah and i can't sit up i can't do anything because it's just so bad and they they said here here's a wheelchair just sit in the wheelchair we'll bring you when we can and so I, I said, look, if you don't give me a place to lie down, I will lie down on the floor. Like, I'm in that much pain. Right. And, no, you can't lie on the floor. I'm like, all right. Anyway, so I'm vomiting and vomiting and vomiting and retching. I can't stop. It's right. horrible. So there's this room that has all those um, lounger chairs. That yep, have. yep. So there, beside it, um, on one side, it had about, I think, like 10 regular seats that family could sit in right. or someone that's more ambulatory. And then it had the lounger seats that sometimes they'll start antibiotics and have yeah. someone sit there, yeah. right? Well, there was all, everything was full. Everything was full. Mary goes in and says, look, my partner is really sick and needs to slide down. Is there anyone that be willing to give up the chair? And, you know, kind of looking around, she wheels me in and I am nonstop. <laughs> like, I'm embarrassed how, like, violent it is coming right. out of me, yeah. right? The room cleared. Bye. Every single, I'm not lying to you, every single person left. So now there's, like, five of these loungers, all free. Amazing. And then all other, so when she brought me in, people, like, popped out of those chairs like there was nothing. Now, there was one lady that said, like, help me, like, basically the two of them threw me, and I launched myself out of the... A wheelchair. wheelchair because I just I had to lie down and pull my knees up like right. it was just like so bad I had to lie on my side so she helped and uh, the wheelchair went flying across the room and now I'm like like it's so violent and bad yeah it was but it was just funny because I just remember people like they couldn't get out of there fast enough. and you like, had to have surgery no I didn't no they helped clear oh, it up you're very lucky no I was so lucky because it, it cleared up and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. I worked, um, the hospital that she's talking about. Wait, wait. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I, I was hours before I was being seen. Yep. I know I was dying. I'm not lying to you. I know it. I was like cold, clammy sweat. Yep. I was coming in and out of consciousness. 
Um, Mary was freaking out. I was coming in and out of consciousness and they're like, you, you can't, she's like, you can't stay in here. I'm like, look, I don't think you're getting how sick I am. Put me in a wheelchair. They draw my blood. They finally give me like morphine for the pain and some gravel for the vomiting. And all I really gave a shit about is like to stop this goddamn vomiting. And I don't know if she thought I was a drug seeker or anything. I'm not taking any like painkillers or anything. So like, what the fuck? When the blood test got back and the CT scan came yep. back, you couldn't get doctors in my, like to see me fast enough. And I'm sequestered in the corner over there. She's being a complete bitch. And they're like, they couldn't get me in fast enough. You know what pisses me off? I is... was admitted for a long goddamn time. Yeah. I was in uh, metabolic metabolic acidosis. Like I was as sick as you, like very, very sick. And yeah, all of a sudden everybody's like right there. And I'm like. It pisses you off. This hospital that, that Karen's talking about, um, I did um, transport to this hospital with this company I worked for um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it we used to say to ourselves, um, I really want to say like, I don't want to say what hospital it was, okay. but we used to, we had a nickname for it and I'll tell oh. you after. Okay. Um, because it was, it's a joke. It was a joke there. Um, if someone had come in, I'm not, and I wasn't looking for special treatment. No, I just no. knew myself. Yep. Like it was probably the only time in my life that I knew I was in big trouble that I had waited too long to go in. Yep. I thought it would pass. And if you had come into my, like I had come into my emergency room, you would have been in the acute care stat. Like we would have had you. Yeah. We would have had you like in CT. Like it would have been like fast, fast, fast. Yep. Rush on the blood work, all that kind of stuff. It it wouldn't have been a doubt. It just had to look at the color of the person. My lips were going blue. Yeah. My sats were in the boots. Like it was just like, anyway, that's why I hope you guys don't mind my long sad story, but it was, I guess the, I'm showing the opposite of like what good compassionate care towards uh, people is. And And I've experienced it. That makes me better. Of course. You know, no, absolutely. And I agree. It's, it's tough. And I think too, you know, like I dried going, uh, to the hospital i'm not a i'm not a yeah, fan too and you go to the doctors and they're like ah, i think you should go to the hospital and i'm like really like isn't there something we can do here like uh, ah, i don't know i think you should go like my suggestion is you go oh so i don't have to go yeah, it's also That's what you're a, saying a cover your ass cya yeah, situation yeah exactly too. so i think um these stories i think uh we should kind of make it a little bit of a uh, for the next couple episodes read because i got some i was reading ahead um there's some people like the UK, uh, they, they're having some troubles these days. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories about ambulances not being able to get to these calls fast enough, um, because they're just so backlogged. And I think, um, I think it's something we were, we should talk about. There's a few stories here. Um, one lady, uh, she had broken her leg outside, um, and she was on the sidewalk and it took them four hours to get there, and oh, she passed away. No. She did. So um, obviously she had more than just a broken leg, but uh, four hours. But also, too, she could have had a fat embolism, like a, yeah. like, a air, like a different, you know, a clot. I know any of those things could have happened in that time, those where you think most breaks you can fix and then you know it yeah. heals and and you walk away but it who knows it was not the case so i think to um i just i want to shed some light on that because they you know I, I love the uk and i think 
that we should really um we should talk about it. I mean, somebody's got to have a solution to this. There's got to be The UK has one of the best healthcare systems in the world. They really do. They're, and it's not from lack of ambulances want to get there. You know what? This is where we need to do a coming in hot because talk about the prank phone calls. Yeah, the prank phone calls, uh, that is definitely going to be one because they've also been getting a lot of uh, prank phone calls, uh, people calling it, calling 911, or I don't know if it's 911 there. I think it's, it's 999. Not, I think it's 999, yeah. And um, they'll, they'll call and they'll say it's something really bad. And um, they'll send, you know, a few different – they have also different – like they have doctors that um, – ride in some of these ambulances uh-huh. so they'll send a bunch of people who they think you know they're going to need for this call and they'll get there and it'll be like uh the location will be like a phone booth and they'll call back and say like listen there's nobody at this location and it'll end up being a prank and that's i would love to find them and, oh. and then make them have to have an ambulance yeah uh, absolutely and you can ride on the goddamn roof yeah exactly <laughs> uh I, I think it's disgusting i think you know, the abuse of resources is appalling. How is that funny? It's not funny. To to me, you, you or I, it's not funny at all. But to some, you know, Whatever happened to saying, like, calling up and, and you know, doing like a Bart Simpson to uh, Mo, you know? Yeah. Like, like one of those, like, you know, stupid something ones. Something innocent where it's not going to affect somebody yeah. so greatly. Absolutely. But something something like this, like, you know, you've just taken away... How how many resources for some prank that you guys want to do when somebody is actually having a heart attack yep. or somebody's or has a four hour wait for a broken leg and exactly dies on scene. So I think um I think we're gonna maybe talk let's, about this. Let's end that here. Yeah. You know what's weird? I just gotta say this another thing. They call their hospitals A and E. Yeah, it's um some how do I not know? And, and, Something in something in emergency, yeah. Accident and emergency. See, I think that's so cool. I think it's way cooler than ours. If so, you know, we have a lot of UK people because it actually spells it out: accident and emergency. Because not all accidents accidents are like the emergency, right? Right. Yeah. I think of that as like the emergency is the trauma, and the accident is like, oops, I oops, I, I did it I, again. I hit my head in the con of my desk in the suture. Not even Oops. really. <laughs> I think that's where we should end it, Karen. I need a boo- I need to ask for my boo boo. We're gonna read some great <laughs> stories next time. Okay, sounds Karen's, awesome. Uh, and we're not we're we're not high. No, not high. I had to throw it in there, Karen. Yes, that's right. Thank you very much for doing You're that. welcome. Okay, I got you. So, <laughs> so everybody, you know, have a wonderful, fabulous, amazing day week year to all you 911ers out there we love you we respect you so much you're never alone never always reach out yeah and to anybody that's suffering from mental health issues uh or you're going through a rough time reach out get help it is out there it is and you got this so okay all right thank you to all the listeners thank you so much guys take care of yourself take care of one another Peace, one love.